basketball game tomorrow at Notre Dame. Also, some exciting football news. Could Syracuse be in the water for a quarterback this offseason? We'll talk about all that more. It's on Locked On Syracuse. It's right now. Our Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Matt Bonaparte, Owen Valentine with you on Lockdown Syracuse. It is your Friday episode. Thanks for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online uh, has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, it's time to talk SU foosball as well as basketball, as there is a basketball game tomorrow at Notre Dame. Purcell Pavilion, correct? That's what their uh, place is called? Um, I think. (laughs) I think so. Um, I think, right? Yeah. Before we get to that, let's talk a little bit of football news. And that news is that Brennan Armstrong, former Virginia quarterback, has entered the transfer portal. Now, this immediately comes to the mind of every Syracuse fan because Robert and nine, Jason Beck used to coach there. Uh, so maybe, and this is not only us, you know, just making that connection, but also Brennan Armstrong had an awful year. Like yeah. seriously was terrible in the last, last season. He was fantastic. He threw for 4,449 yards last year. 31 touchdowns. He had a 65 plus percent completion percentage. He was awesome last year. This year, I mean, it couldn't, he was terrible. 2,200 yeah. yards passing, seven touchdowns to 12 interceptions. He only had 185 completions. He only barely had more attempts this season than he did completions last year. He was terrible this year. And there's no, there's no denying that it's because an eye and back are gone. They're not at Virginia anymore. There's no denying that that is the reason for his dramatic transformation into a bad quarterback this season. Now, what's the first thing on his mind? Maybe it's I'm better than that Schrader guy. And I'm better than that Carlos guy. And those are my two guys at Syracuse. And I want to play for them again, because if I do, I could go to the NFL. If I don't, there's no shot. I'm going to the NFL. Uh, that's what I assume he's thinking, but you know, he just probably wants to change his scenery too. Um, after just such a bad year, but what do you think? Do you think Syracuse stabs at it? I think there's no chance Syracuse goes and gets some. I wish they would because they actually might have a chance at winning something. But I mean, with we're, we talked about this yesterday. I was just about to say 14 quarterbacks <laughs> in that quarterback room or whatever. It seems like a thousand of those guys. And you don't want, you're going to add another one. I mean, if you did yeah. that, you'd probably, I don't know, like Schrader would just be sitting behind him. Like maybe Schrader would transfer mid season. I don't even know. I mean, it would be really, really weird to see because there's no shot. Brendan Armstrong shows up. You don't start him. Yeah. I can't imagine you're going to pitch a guy to come here and not play uh, at that point with one final year in theory, 
it, it makes no sense. And it is funny that we we talked yesterday about, oh, they, they can attack the transfer portal for any position besides the quarterback. And what do we do and 24 now, hours later? Yeah. Like, oh, there's a quarterback. <laughs> they should go get him. Uh, it's their, they're it shiny, like, is, and I like them. This is the one quarterback that, like, you immediately have to think that. Big-name quarterback. not give a look. A big-name quarterback enters the transfer portal, and I'm like, you know what? I, I don't think it's it's like that. But Brennan Armstrong, with the 1,000% direct connection to Syracuse right now, the two coaches that that led him to stardom and being outstanding last season, averaging over 400 yards in the air per game, nearly three touchdowns a game passing. He was outstanding. They leave, production dips off. I will say we, we cannot go this episode and talk about how, you know, the, the dip in production is also a result of five new offensive linemen. Uh, also contributes sure, absolutely. To, to the down year, but 100%. he was a different quarterback this season than he was last year uh, when he was with an eye, when he was with Beck. And maybe, you know, he's aware of that and, and wants to be back in that situation. The issue is, you know, we talk about it. Syracuse's quarterback room is absolutely loaded. If they get him to transfer, I, I would assume people have to leave and jump ship. Uh, or it's it's going to be a weird situation where where you've got Armstrong starting with a two-year starter in Schrader behind him and Del Rio Wilson just, I don't know, with, with his hands crossed or his arms crossed standing there. I, I don't know what the situation becomes. I don't know right now. This oh, I'm thinking off the dome here. Do you want him to make a push? And do you want, if you're, you know, Syracuse football and you don't think it's a shoe-in that he comes here, is it worth a push where they're in this final decision and now Schrader knows that, oh, you know, they don't really want me. They want to go with this other guy. If you're going to get him, great, but do not put this, you know, half-attempted push towards Armstrong. Uh, end up not getting him. And now you've got your your two-year starting quarterback in this position of like, oh, all right, so... I start to show myself I am yeah, going to be, and, you know, I'm going to go against what I say when I talk about how, you know, a lot of this season was tough and disappointing, but a quarterback that led them to seven and five uh, was pretty darn effective, well, healthy. Uh, and, and you're pushing for, for someone else to come replace me. You know, that's, that's a stinger. That one hurts. Uh, so if, if you're going to get him and he is going to be that guy and that fit is so perfect because of what an eye and what bet can do with him, and what they've proven that they can do with him, I like it. But I, I don't think it's worth tarnishing uh, Schrader, who did improve this year, and when healthy, albeit against the lesser opponents, uh, was pretty darn effective this year and had a solid year uh, in those games. Sure. Um, I want to be clear in saying that I think there's no way they go out and get Brennan Armstrong. I agree. But it's a fun but chat it, because of the relation. It does just seem like when you have an opportunity like this to get a guy that makes all the sense in the world, you at least have to give it a shot, right? But yeah, I don't think they will. Um, all right. Well, well now that you've entertained us for about eight minutes on that, we will switch gears into basketball, but not before this ad from Bet Online. It's your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, they got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts like this one, 
You can find those at Bet Online as well. We're the fastest and easiest way to get the betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. And feel free to let us know if you think Brennan Armstrong has a chance uh, of ending up yeah. in an orange uniform. Um, all right. Let's switch gears to the game that is upcoming tomorrow at Notre Dame. Um, Mike Bray is leading an interesting squad over there that has been very successful so far this season. They are 6-1 and one on the year. They have been very, very successful against some teams that usually aren't, except for Michigan State, who they clattered yeah. uh, on the last day of November, 70-52. to 52. They beat the Spartans. Um, they are running a squad in which six guys play. Now that is very, yeah. it's very college basketball of them. I mean, it's not like we haven't seen something like that before. Some, especially at Syracuse like that. with Jim Bayheim. Yeah, sure. I mean, we see that plenty, yeah. uh, but if you're getting the results you need, why should anybody else play more? Um, they're playing really well right now and they're just yeah. beating teams left, right and center. So I don't really blame them last year. It's not like they played a, totally deeper squad they played like seven guys last year so it's not like they were playing 10 guys so it's not out of the ordinary for mike bray but uh regardless there's a lot of talent you know of course the uh baldwinsville native jj starling who is a freshman this season he's played really really well for them nate lashevsky is a name that syracuse fans have gotten accustomed to. He's going to shoot the three. He's going to do a lot at 6'10". He's a really, really good player. Uh, and in his senior season now, he's only gotten better. Dane Goodwin, another senior on that team, who's played really, really good basketball. They don't have Prentice Hub this year. He is finally gone, so he's not going to ruin Syracuse's day like he did last year. Uh, but those three guys, as well as Cormac Ryan, the senior and Trey Wirtz, the senior, a very old team other than J.J. Starling and Ven Allen Lubin, who's the guy who comes off the bench. It's honestly, it's four seniors that play and two freshmen. It's very yeah. weird. <laughs> it's like a really, really weird team. It's the um, perfect balance of experience and inexperience. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, and, and they're playing really good basketball. So their one loss came to St. Bonaventure uh, on the road. They lost by 12 points to the Bonnies. But other than that, I mean, like we've said, they haven't really – they played one close game. They beat Lipscomb by one point. But other than that, I mean, things have been uh, – an opening night win over Radford by three, but usually yeah. pretty large margin. They're, they're weird a solid that, team. Just weird, by the way. Sorry to cut in again. No, you're but good. just weird that they almost lose to Radford and Lipscomb – they lose to the Bonnies and then they just destroy Michigan State by 20 or 18. Like, that's just nuts. Uh, I guess that's what happens when you have a lot of talent that just needs to gel. You never know what's going to happen in those first few games. But still, just weird. Yeah, 100%. This is this is a good basketball team. Um, they're, they're not incredible, but they, they play a good game of basketball and, and they do it efficiently with six guys. Uh, which I, I think everyone's going to circle the, oh, get them in foul trouble and, and you're golden. Yeah, but here's the thing. They they stay out of foul trouble. So, yeah. I mean, that's – you're telling me Michigan State didn't have the same thought process? Oh, you drive hard at them, you get them into foul trouble, you're going to be great. Uh, they're outstanding. They have three guys in the top 500 
in terms of fouls committed per 40 minutes on the good side, and that being a low number. Um, their fouls committed per 40 minutes. Every single player of their six in that rotation averages fewer than three fouls per 40. Wow, that's actually stupendous. Yeah, yeah that's pretty crazy. Not one guy's even close. No. That's crazy. You got a guy at 2.9 fouls per 40, right? They're they're not picking up fouls. That's and nice. so you're you're thinking, oh, just you know, drive at him, get him into foul trouble. They're very, very smart defensively. Uh, and they play a slower game of basketball. They do what they need to do. And as you were saying, I mean, all of these guys work really well. I mean, Wurtz can get you at the three. Cormac Ryan, you talked about. Uh, Starling has been outstanding. Uh, are freaking outstanding. Oops. Um, <laughs> whoops, we're going to take a second with that one. That man's so good. He's torched him so many times. I can't even control myself. I mean, the guy is outstanding. Uh, I, I love watching him play. I, I forgot how good he was. And then I was watching, I think it was like three minutes in to that Michigan State game. And he's got the ball at the perimeter. He hits a murderous ball fake. Murderous? Ball on the floor. It murderous. was murderous? Oh my, you, you could, there was, it was impossible to not bite. It was that good. Puts the ball on the floor, finishes at the rim. Like I was like, Oh yeah, I I forgot how good he was. He is that good. And and this team is is really in good shape at this point. And, you know, I got to give the nod to Starling as a, you know, a Liverpool guy myself. Uh, My brother played against him. I watched him play, you know, all through that. My younger brother was, uh, was playing against him a good amount before he, you know, before Starling left, uh, left the area. And it's, it's cool to see the growth out of him. You know, it was a guy that you always saw, you know, playing up a couple of years and competing and more than competing. And then he, he continues to get this recognition uh, and, and is outstanding. I played against him at the Y a few times, I think, uh, just to, to throw that mix in there as well. He, he he is a guy that that's fun to watch. He plays a great game of basketball. Obviously, you know, as Syracuse people, you wish you could have kept, you know, the Central New York guy in Central New York, but he's done his he thing. Was, he went to high he's, school in South Bend. Like correct. He was, that's he that's where mm-hmm. he he stayed local, but not the local you wanted him to stay local. Uh, he he's been great. It, it has been cool to see. It'll be interesting to watch uh, and see him play against Syracuse, just because I think even though it makes sense that he goes to Notre Dame, given where he was playing. I think there will always be a little bit of a sour taste that Syracuse wasn't a little bit further in that conversation uh, yeah. for what that's worth. So it's it's a good team, and it's a team that that can present Syracuse some difficulties, but this is also a game that is, if Syracuse wants to turn the season around, it, it's a game that they're going to have to compete in and, and find themselves in a position to win, or this is going to continue to get worse, right? This is a game that, that you can bounce back in. They're beatable. They're not incredible. They're very good. But this is not a game that you have to automatically chalk up as a loss. I'm not sure they can win or they will win, but it's not a shoe-in loss given this team, given the moments that they can have. And this is a game that when you look at the rest of the season, you're going to need to win these games if if you want this season to be Big salvageable, one. 100%. Totally. Um. I was just looking at the rudimentary stats a little bit. Uh, and when you do, just go game by game. The games that were close, 
or games that they lost this season. That's, of course, the only one against the Bonnies that they lost. Uh, but the, the Radford game and the Lipscomb game as well, all those teams shot the three really well against Notre Dame, at least 40%. Uh, so I think this game could ultimately come down to whether or not Syracuse is able to shoot. Uh, and we know that the SU offense, every game so far this season has just been either Judah, figure it out, or, you know, throw the ball down to Jesse and hope. So I don't know how much help they're going to be in terms of whether or not they can hit the three, but I hate to say it, but the it might depend on whether or not Joe Girard shows up. Like, I hate saying that. And Owen's laughing at me, but oh, I hate saying it, but I, it's true. You, you got to think it, right? That's the case. It's if, like if, it, you have now built your team around Joe hucking up threes. If he doesn't do it, they lose. That like that is so bad that your team is lives and dies by the Joe Girard three. If he doesn't hit threes, man, they just their offense is so much worse. Uh, so, I mean, in a game where threes seem like they're even more valuable in terms of uh, the outcome, mm-hmm. I think you have to look towards Gerard or Bell or, or Taylor uh, to be the guy that's going to produce on the offensive end. So um, that's my rudimentary statistic view. Yeah, and it's it's 100 percent accurate and necessary to, to be in that thought. And you, you got to look to to Joe, obviously. And you've got to look to to your other shooters at this point. And and your other shooters have not been incredible. You know, Taylor's at 40%. Actually, I didn't realize his number was that good uh, and how much that the the St. John's game boosted him up. Um, but he, he's going to have to shoot. And and Bell's going to have to be able to shoot in this game as well for, for them to be competitive, right? You, you've realized, and, and Bayheim's expressed it, and anyone with – you know, a pair of eyes can understand that Judah Mintz is not a three-point shooter. Uh, you, you know the same thing for Symir. Symir can occasionally, but that's not what you want him to do. That's not what he should be doing. You look at Bell, you look at Taylor, you look at Gerard, and you need them to step up and shoot in this game. And I think everybody's eyes are on Joe Gerard. How can you bounce back after the last three games? What can you do this time around to – be able to contribute and do your thing and, and become, you know, the dominant scorer that you are supposed to be right now. Bayheim's predicted him at 20 points a game this season. He's flashed it. He had an unbelievable first half a week and a half ago. It's got to return in some capacity because he cannot be a non-factor if Syracuse wants to win. Uh, as much as that is against what people want to say, you should be on the bench the whole time. You shouldn't even play him. That's not the case. If he's shooting the ball well, he needs to be in the game. And and I, I, I think he is a necessity for Syracuse to be competitive in this basketball game, as you were saying. Yeah. Um, you're absolutely right. This is going to be an interesting game. One, 100%. I think, what is it going to say about the season, though? If they win this game, I don't even know how I'll feel. Like I have been, I've been driven into the ground by this team for the last three games, and I just yeah. don't know how to feel at this point if they go out there and win. I mean, obviously, I'll be happy and I'll have some kind of joy uh, and hope for them, but I don't know if I could bank on that in any way or put any actual stock into that until they play 
some kind I of agree. ACC slate? I don't, I don't think it goes anywhere in terms of like end of the season. What what this single? But they win need is this like underratedly. Boost, like they, they really need this. They do need it. This is a game because that you have to win. Think back to and, last year where they yeah. beat Florida State in early December. They won that game and they beat Indiana in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. They won those games and then had a really mediocre ACC slate and went under 500. Now you're setting yourself up to have to run the ACC gauntlet? That's a terrible plan. No, it's not going to go well. No, thank you. No, I'm worried. This I'm worried. Is- this is just a game, though, where, where you look at it, and it, it's going to tell you a lot about this team, although it might not mean the most in terms of the entire season. I think how they come out and how they play in this basketball game will tell you a lot about this team. How do they battle? How do they grind? Uh, are they going to roll over and, and just take it, or are they going to put their hands up and fight? That is that is what this game shows you, right? You're three and four. It's been a bad route to three and four, and, and you need to figure something out. Right. It, it's time for you to say, all right, you know, here I am. Here we go. It's time to do something. And you, you got to go down swinging here. And I I'm curious to see how they act in this game, how they play, things like that. Right. It's it's not. Indicative of this team, 100 percent, but they they haven't looked great in this stretch. And you've got back to back games where a player has been tossed out of frustration. Right, get some composure, play a game of basketball, and put yourself in a position to win this game against Notre Dame because the ACC standings don't account for what you did in the non-conference. So you could put yourself at the top of the ACC standings True. as a little moral victory, even if it is only for a couple of weeks. So you're thinking ACC game, you're thinking ACC win, you're thinking this is a team that needs to show that it's here to grind that it's here to put up what it can in terms of a fight, in terms of a battle. And I think how they play in this game, how they approach this basketball game, and whether or not they come out swinging or they come out flat tells me a lot about who this team is and the identity of the players on the court. Sure, absolutely. Do you have a key and a prediction in this game, Mr. Valentine? This is the softest of keys ever. My key is to win the basketball game. That's not a key. That is a hope. That is, oh, fine. That's a hope. My key to this game for Syracuse is really to move the ball on offense and and use the fact that you you have offensive threats, right? It was talked about on the broadcast. Judah can put the ball on the floor and get to the rim. But when someone steps on you, when two guys step, he needs to get better at throwing that pass out and finding the open man. Uh, And the same goes for Jesse. Get the ball to Jesse in the post. Because you can get backdoor cuts off of that. You can get pops back out for open looks from three. If they move the ball on offense, they're going to allow themselves to make more mistakes in, in a way. Like you're, you're not going to have to highlight every single play because you're not getting shots. You can miss shots when you're moving the ball because you're going to continue to get open shots. So they have to move the basketball around because it is going to afford them so much better looks. Uh, and, and you're going to need to, as you said, Hit the three in this basketball game. That's what put Notre Dame in its one loss and closest game so far this season. So put yourself in a position by spreading the ball, by moving the ball, by putting the ball on the floor and penetrating a little bit to be able to pop out for open looks from three because you do have guys on this basketball team that can hit open threes. That much is true. Justin Taylor, definitely one of those guys. He's been awesome. 
Um, for me, I would really a key for me is to teach Judah that he doesn't have to do it all on his own. Yeah. If Judah good. doesn't try to do it all on his own in this game and they actually have some kind of team offense, it changes the entire complexity of it. I mean, last game we saw Judah try and figure everything out, uh, throw the ball inside, ends up throwing it out, out of bounds twice, dribbling the ball off his leg. He just looks really frustrated out on the court. He needs to realize that it doesn't all have to be him. Um, yeah. Maybe, I don't know. I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Um, sure. I don't know if someone tweeted it at us or if it was just a tweet that I saw, but someone posed the question, and maybe I'm having a, a blank right now up top, and we talked about this on here, and which we'll just move on. But someone thought, and I think it's a decent idea, I'm curious what you think, if Joe played more with Symir, who is going to facilitate a little bit better and pass the ball a little bit better, would that boost him? Or is that not the difference they need right now? That's not a big enough difference. I mean, yes, but I think that would help. I think that would be better. I mean, that's what we saw in the ACC tournament with uh, against Duke. Saimir playing really, really well and Joe being able to play really, really well off of him. I think that tandem works and we know that. So I think you're absolutely right about that. Whoever tweeted it. Um would you then not play Joe with Judah? Like who plays next to Judah? Would Joe just not start then? Or would Judah not I don't start? know. I don't know how that rotation works or if the rotation is just maybe you pull Judah uh, for Symir a little bit differently so that they, they I think have the a little gym, more overlap. The problem with that is that Jim doesn't want to have Judah not on the court. Yeah. And the best a, player a on the team is Judah, and he doesn't correct. want Judah not to be on the court. Yeah, it makes 100% sense. Um, um, but just, uh, it was just a food for thought question. I like that. Uh, my prediction in this one. Oh boy. Oh boy. I'm going to go. I, I think Ken Tom's got 67, 62 in terms of Notre Dame. I, I think it's a little bit higher scoring than that. Um, you think, and of course, wow. I just don't really, you think it's lower score points. They scored 44 I, points last game. That's a fact. I just told you. Fine. I will. You know what? <laughs> Stick to your guns, Can you man. go first? Now you've thrown me <laughs> off my game. I'm so overwhelmed now that you said that. Sure, man. I'll go, go first. first. Uh, I can't say that I was. I had a number in my head, but I will go first. Uh, Notre Dame scored 88 points. They scored 80-plus points three times already this season. Uh, of course, against non-power conference teams, a MAC team, a Horizon League team, and an Ohio Valley Conference team. Um, so I wouldn't put too much stock into it. But I'm going to say they score like 72 points, and if Syracuse can muster like 60 something, I'd be I'd be pretty uh, happy. Um, I think Syracuse is going to lose this game like 72. To 61. You ready for this changing of the guard? Oh, yeah. Go for it. Uh, Notre Dame plays a slow game of basketball, <laughs> which means this game is going to be lower scoring than what Ken Pong's got. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you threw me off so much that I, I'm going to completely flip the script. Uh, I. I'm thinking more margin here. Take my score in terms of total points. 
with a grain of salt here. I'm going to go 63 to 58. I think it's close. That's a close game. I think it's close. Um, maybe actually I'll get off the Ken Palm spread. I'll, I'll go 63-57 so I can be different. Um, I, I think this game is pretty close. I, I think they can hold on because they, they they played so badly. Oh, my gosh. The last game. Syracuse's and, defense and so, is so bad, too. They don't do anything I, right. Yeah, but who knows? I, I don't have any ounce of confidence in that prediction. And Neither do I, to be honest. So I hate doing basketball score predictions. I know. The lack of really confidence. All right, from now on, that I'm gonna from now this. on, we are doing the spread. Okay. That's what we're doing. For Sounds good. Um, I guess not from now on. From next pod on, we're doing this. Okay. Spread. Sounds um, good. But for today, that's what you get. Okay. Um, that's all the time that we've got. Thanks for making Locked On Syracuse your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available in the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. I'm Matt Bonaparte. He's Owen Valentine. Uh, We'll see you.